Good morning. How's everyone doing? Everyone had a good week? All right, good, good, good. So in light of the trials and tribulations that we all are going through, um, just want to encourage you uh, today, and it seems fit that what God gave me to share is the solution for all of our trials and tribulations. Um, it's good to be here again. This is my second time coming. Uh, the first time I was kind of tired because we had a, a newborn. And so, um, as I said, I moved my family to Huntsville because it made sense. My wife has more help in Huntsville, Alabama versus staying in San Diego. So I'll be a geo bachelor for one whole year. Um, so that's my little storm that I'm going through. And in addition to that, um, I will be responsible um, to take care of 450 people on the ship. So you can imagine we're all going to be separated from our loved ones, and we all have to defend our nation. But it's a great privilege um, to serve as a chaplain, to represent God, and also to represent a church. And I'd like to thank the Omanas again for housing me and for taking care of me. You know, when I called Chaplain Oman on, I think it was Tuesday, um, my agenda was I needed to get away from the ship, you know. So he was so kind to allow me to come and stay with him just to get a break and to get away from the ship so I can go back and do what I need to do. Well, without further delay, um, if you don't mind, if you can just please stand, I'd like to read the scripture again. Um, just to put this in context, I'm going to add an extra scripture. So we're going to begin at verse 18. All right. Beginning in verse 18, and I'll be reading from the ESV Bible. So it says, now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. Drop down to verse 23. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. Do you see the tension here? Verse 25. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord. We are perishing. Very interesting. And he said to them, why are you afraid? O you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? So for the first well, couple of moments, I'd like to speak to you from the topic, the turning point in the storm. You may return to your seats. I like to begin by saying this. There are moments in our lives when we experience turning points. Some call it critical moments. Some call it a crossroad. Some may even call it a landmark moment. But for today, I would like to call it a turning point. The dictionary defines turning point as a time at which a decisive change in a situation occurs, especially one with beneficial results. I remember my situation quite well. 
I was the emergency room chaplain in Princeton Baptist Medical Center in Birmingham, Alabama. There in the ER, I encountered a situation that my ministerial training had not prepared me for. She was a black teenage girl who got shot in the neck by her boyfriend. Brothers and sisters, it was a turning point in my ministry because the result of this girl's situation, to make a long story short, left her paralyzed and abandoned by her own family. Have you experienced a turning point before? Or are you experiencing one right now? The fact of the matter is, your situation may not be that you're paralyzed due to a bullet penetrating in your neck. Perhaps you may be in some crisis of some sort and you are in church today because you're trying to figure out how in the world are you gonna get out of the mess that you're in. Perhaps you may be contemplating suicide because the pressures of life is just too overwhelming. Perhaps your loved one has died and you miss the scent the voice, the touch of your beloved. Is there anybody in here who, like me, perhaps feels as if what you are experiencing isn't normal? I wanna let you know that the reality of following Jesus will bring about turning points. So I wanna lift three realities from this text and then I'll take my seat. Reality number one, the reality of following Jesus. Notice in verse 23, Jesus didn't say anything to his disciples about following him. Jesus simply made his way into the boat and his disciples followed him. It is somewhat natural for a group of men to follow a man who possesses supernatural power. The disciples saw what Jesus can do. The disciples saw what Jesus was capable of. The disciples saw Jesus heal. The disciples saw Jesus cast out demons. The disciples saw Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law. And with that type of supernatural experience, the disciples took it upon themselves by joining Jesus by getting into the boat. A good question to ask is this, why in the world would Jesus want to go to the other side? Matthew tells us the answer in chapter 8, verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd, he gave orders to go to the other side. And with that, Jesus began to move, and so did his disciples. There's something, some mission Jesus perhaps wants to complete. And it's interesting to me that the disciples never thought to ask, should we follow you and wait for him to respond? It's interesting to me that the disciples didn't consider to call a church business meeting to bring up item number one on the agenda, what in the world is on the other side? You see, people of God, the reality of following Jesus is a choice. Jesus will never force you or me to follow him. Sometimes following Jesus will require you to journey into unknown territories. 
Sometimes following Jesus will require you to leave your place of comfort for a place of uncertainty. Sometimes following Jesus will require you to choose to go or to choose to stay. The danger for the young and old person is for him or her to get stuck where they are and never use their free choice to follow the leading of Jesus. But for these disciples, the reality of following Jesus was an outstanding choice and they chose to get into the boat and to begin their journey to the other side. I can imagine the excitement the disciples had as they began to sail on the Sea of Galilee with Jesus. You see, this sea is only 13 miles long, which is enough time for the disciples to sing Kumbaya or This Little Light of Mine as they begin to reflect about the healings and casting out of demons Jesus had done. I can imagine the disciples feeling like they are on top of the world because of the person they're with. And get this, if the disciples had a Facebook page, their profile picture will be a selfie with Jesus with a hashtag status stating, relaxing on the boat with Jesus. But get this, I can also imagine that the air being free of wind because the day was just an awesome day. And the disciples followed Jesus into the boat because he wants to go to the other side. But in the next moment, there was a turning point. Right before the disciples' eyes, it appeared that nature went from being on their side to being against them. From zero to 100 real quick, the Bible says in verse 24 that the storm came out of nowhere. This is not just a storm. The Bible says it's a great storm. And you and I know what it feels like to experience great storms coming out of nowhere. Whether you choose to follow him or not, you can count on the fact that there will be moments where something will go wrong. There will be moments where something will go wrong within our families. There will also be moments where something will go wrong in our ministries. And there will also be moments where something will go wrong with our health, but this is part of the reality of following Jesus. And though the great storms will come, my brothers and sisters, the second reality is this. Realize the reality of Jesus' presence. The Bible says it's a great storm. The storm is so bad that it appears that the boat is about to go down under. And the text proves that the waves swept over the boat, but the waves didn't destroy the boat. You see, what looks like it's going to take you out doesn't mean it will. Listen now. The turning point in the storm is the reality that Jesus is with the disciples. Let me say that again. The reality, the turning point, sorry, in the storm is the reality that Jesus is with the disciples. You see, I don't know who this is for today, but I want to let you know that Jesus is with you in your storm. 
And though Jesus is with the disciples in the storm, Matthew says that Jesus is sleeping. (laughs) Oh, I love the Bible. (laughs) The disciples are experiencing difficulty, but Jesus is sleeping. The disciples are fighting against nature. Watch this now. But the God of nature is sleeping. Jesus sleeping in the storm demonstrates the reality of his presence. In other words, the reality of Jesus' presence shows that the storm cannot disturb or break him. You see, I like that. Because when we go through something, we too can sleep like Jesus. You see, we don't have to stay up all night trying to figure out how can we fix that specific thing or that relationship. But we too, like Jesus, can go to sleep. And while Jesus is sleeping, brothers and sisters, the disciples are in a fight for their lives. Listen to what Ellen White says. Absorbed in their efforts to save themselves, the disciples had forgotten that Jesus was on board. Now, seeing their labor unproductive and only death before them, they remembered at whose command they had set out to cross the sea. This is to say that the turning point in the storm for the disciples was when they realized it was Jesus whom they followed into the boat, and they desperately need to wake him up. So remember, the first reality is the reality of following Jesus. The second is the reality of Jesus' presence. And the third reality is the reality of knowing who Jesus really is. It's a great storm, my brothers and sisters. And I can feel the disciples' desperation to want to get out of it. But notice, the power is not in them. The power is in the one who is with them. And the Bible says they went to wake Jesus up. Whenever you find yourself in a storm, my brothers and sisters, you need to go wake Jesus up. Fighting their way to get you, Jesus, the disciples went to Jesus saying, save us, Lord, we are about to die. Before the God of nature could deal with nature, Matthew says that Jesus has to deal with human nature by asking about their spiritual condition. You see, there was nothing wrong with their physical condition, but there was something wrong with their spiritual condition. So to deal with it, Jesus challenges their fear by questioning their faith. You see, it's not enough to know doctrines. It's not enough to come to church. But it's all about your faith. Now watch this. The word for fear is an exciting word that Jesus used to criticize the disciples. Because they are psychologically afraid of the storm. The storm scared them so bad, listen, that they no longer had faith in Jesus' presence. Therefore, 
in order to deal with the disciples' spiritual condition, Jesus has to encourage them. Thank God that whenever we are afraid, Jesus himself will encourage us. So watch how Jesus gets to work and deal with the storm. Matthew says in verse 26 to 27 that Jesus rebukes the storm and everything is calm. The amazed disciples question, who is this man that the wind and sea listen to him? My brothers and sisters, the reality of knowing who Jesus is should occur when you're in your storm. But if that doesn't work, the reality of knowing who Jesus really is will always occur after he gets you through the storm. Listen, the verses in Matthew 8, 23 to 27 are part of a big picture. Stay with me. Jesus calming the storm demonstrates that Jesus has some type of power. Can we agree? And this is not any regular power, but this is kingdom power. Beginning in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, your Bible will say that Jesus saw a lot of people at camp meeting, and he went on top of the mountain and began preaching the Beatitudes. The sermon goes from Matthew 5, 1, all the way and ends at Matthew 7, verse 28 to 29, where it says that Jesus preached his sermon and the crowd was amazed because Jesus taught as one having authority and not as the scribes. In other words, the Beatitudes Jesus preached in chapter 5 through 7 had some kingdom power which produced turning points in the lives of people. Let me prove it to you. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus takes the teachings of the Beatitude to another level, and he begins backing them up by demonstrating the kingdom power. Beginning in Matthew 8, it starts out by saying a leper who had a disease called leprosy brought his situation to Jesus. Jesus touched it with his kingdom authoritative power, and immediately the leper was healed. In the next moment, there was a servant in the centurion's house that's on bed rest. Jesus makes his way to the centurion's house. He stops Jesus to tell him that he is not worthy for him to come by, but all Jesus has to do is say the word and his servant will be healed. The Bible says in Matthew 8, verse 13, Jesus activates the kingdom power, and the servant is healed at that very moment. Matthew 8, 15 says, Jesus' kingdom power heals Peter's mother-in-law, and she begins to minister to him. In the next moment, Matthew says in verse 16, that the sun had set, and everyone who was possessed by demons and sick with all kinds of stuff, Jesus activates his power, and all became well. In the next moment, 
Matthew said there was a turning point in the chapter because verse 18 says that he gave order to go to the other side. In other words, Jesus wants to take this power to the other side to help somebody else. And it is in verse 23 where Jesus gets into the boat and his disciples follow. Remember, Jesus, who possesses kingdom power, gave an order to go to the other side. What in the world am I trying to prove? Well, based on the investigation of the entire chapter, Matthew shows us today that Jesus' preaching is backed up by kingdom power because he healed the leprosy from he healed the leper from leprosy. He healed the centurion servant on bed rest. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then he healed the many who was demon-possessed and sick with all kinds of stuff. And to take things a bit further, the reason why there was a turning point in the storm, the storm was a setup from the enemy to prevent Jesus from reaching two demon-possessed men on the other side. You see, in Matthew 8, 28, it shows that there were two demon-possessed men that Jesus was crossing the lake to get to. So the turning point in the storm for us is this, recognizing that the storms are distractions from the devil. The issue is not our storms. The issue is the devil trying to prevent us from reaching the other side. And for brothers and sisters, some of you, the other side may be a deeper devotional life. For some of you, the other side may be forgiving and learning how to forgiving and learning how to let go. And for some of you, the other side may be asking Jesus for more faith. Whatever situation you're in, know that Jesus will use that situation produce, to produce more faith in your life. You see, there's nothing in this life that has more power over Jesus. The text shows that Jesus has power even over nature, even when that acts up. So the disciples lacked faith, or they needed an increase of faith, and Jesus used it because based on what they saw on, in other people's lives, it wasn't enough for them to produce their own faith. So the storm was used to show the disciples who Jesus really is. And notice, my brothers and sisters, that Jesus will use storms to help us to rely and trust in him. I want to end with this illustration. At Oakwood, I took this class. It was a lifeguarding class. And so... To graduate, one of the things that we had to do, we had to save our instructor. Now, our instructor, he was about 6'6", and he weighed about 220 pounds. And so one of the things he told us, he said, you know, he dove in off the, uh, the diving board, jumped in the 12 feet. And one of the things that he taught us at the beginning of the class, he said, whenever you see someone swimming uncontrollably, splashing water everywhere, you don't want to just jump out and save them. You want to wait because if you go and save that person, that person could potentially 
pull you down under the water, and you both would drown. So one of the things that I did, I just waited, I waited, and everyone who was in the class were yelling at me because they were saying, why are you not jumping in to get him? But I remembered early on in class what the instructor told me. So I waited, I waited until he got so tired, and at that last moment, dove in, did a couple of front strokes, reached out with the raft, and pulled him in. Brothers and sisters, sometimes it may seem like our situation is so uncontrollably, but Jesus will wait at that last moment when you exhaust all your strength, and he will reach out to grab you and pull you to safety. So, brothers and sisters, the turning point is this. Let's recognize that Jesus has power over whatever situation that we may be experiencing. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for reminding us that you're with us in the storm. We thank you for storms because without them, we won't have a testimony. Our testimonies are not for ourselves, but our testimonies are for our brothers and sisters so they can be encouraged, so they can know that if you have done it for me, you can do it for them. Bless us, continue to be with our loved ones. We have folks who are sick, folks who are traveling. And Lord, it may seem like you're not with us, but you are right there. Give us peace, give us relief, and thank you for your kingdom power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.